You're listening to a sermon from New City Fellowship in Manassas, Virginia. New City Fellowship is a diverse community that proclaims the gospel and makes disciples for the glory of God and the renewal of our city. For more information, visit newcityfellowship.net. All right, so we're, we're going to start today the season of Advent, and this is one of my favorite seasons. Um, and let me explain a little bit of, uh, of what Advent is. Advent is the, it's the four weeks prior to Christmas, and it's the beginning of what's called the liturgical calendar, and it's leading up to Christmas. So we have four Sundays before Christmas, and then the fifth Sunday or the fifth week would be the Christmas week. And Advent is a time of preparation in anticipation of the nativity of Jesus Christ. In fact, Advent comes from the Latin word Adventus that means coming or arrival. And it not only points to Christmas, but it also reminds us that this God, this Jesus, who came once, will, will come again for us later. So in order for us to, to walk through Advent, we have the traditional way of celebrating, which is a, an Advent wreath. And we have one candle for each week. And then the center candle would be the Christmas candle that will, will be lit on Christmas Day. So we're going to start today by focusing on one of the four topics that we're going to uh, talk about during Advent. And it's going to be hope. And we're going to have a child uh, come and light this for us. Hopefully nothing will happen. Everybody ready? And I have my daughter, Sophia. She's going to light the first candle. Try it, Sophie. Press it harder. All right, let me help you. All right, hold it. There you go. Thank you, Sophia. All right, we're going to have other volunteers as the weeks go by to come and help us. Um, so let's begin and let's go ahead and pray. Today we're going to be spending some time, uh, some time on the first candle, which is usually called the prophecy candle that focuses on the promises or the prophecies of Jesus in the Old Testament and the hope they bring to us. Let's pray. Dear God, we thank you for today. We thank you for your blessing. We thank you for uh, coming to this earth and saving us. And Lord, I pray that today we will join with your church in the world as we anticipate your incarnation, your birth, your coming to earth to save us. In the name of Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen. All right. So, um, before we start, this is the prophecy candle. Kids, say with me, prophecy. prophecy. Kids, say with me, prophecy. prophecy. All right, question for the kids. What does prophecy mean? Anybody knows what prophecy means? No? All right, let's ask the oldest, Eliana or Joel. What does prophecy mean? Well, let's go one level down. Luciana, do you know? Aiden, Sophia? There you go. She's my daughter. There you go. Yes, prophecy basically means when someone tells you what's going to happen in the future, okay? That's sort of like a prophecy. There's others, uh, other meanings of prophecy, but this is the one we're going to be talking about. So, this is a question for everybody. Do you know 
how many prophecies about Jesus there are in the Old Testament? Just an estimation. Just give me a number. Anybody, adults or kids. How many prophecies about Jesus are in the Old Testament? Anyone? Wait, wait, wait. Just one at a time. Raise your hands. 300. 53 and a half. All right. Anyone else? 200. Anyone else? 150. All right. Well, basically, what you're telling me, it's exactly what these scholars say. There's all kinds of numbers, and there are scholars that say there's almost 600 of them, which are some of the biggest ones. And there's, there are scholars that say there's almost like 200, 250. So if we want to have a conservative number, there's about 300, 350 prophecies about Jesus. And this is amazing. Everything was prophesied about Jesus. Let me just give you 10. And this is a little bit, of, a little scary, honestly. It's like, there's no way around this. Genesis 3 and Isaiah 7 tells us that Jesus would be born from a virgin. Micah 5.2 tells us the place where Jesus was, was going to be born, which is Bethlehem. Isaiah 7 tells us that Jesus was going to be called God with us or Emmanuel. Psalm 2.7 says that Jesus would be called the Son of God. Psalm 69 tells us that Jesus would be rejected by his own people. Zechariah 9 tells us that Jesus would enter Jerusalem in a donkey. Psalm 41 tells us that Jesus was going to be betrayed by a friend. And Zechariah 11 actually tells us the amount of of the money that he was going to be sold for, which was 30 pieces of silver. Deuteronomy 23 and Isaiah 53 tells us that Jesus was going to be crucified or pierced and died amongst criminals. In Psalm 49, tells us that Jesus was going to die and resurrect. Those are only 10 of at least 300 different prophecies about Jesus. And if we can learn something about that or if we can gather something from that is that we have a God that keeps his promises. Every single one of those Prophecies were fulfilled in a striking way. It was amazing that it happened. And today, I wanna, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna talk about all of the prophecies because there's too many of them. There are direct ones, there are indirect ones, there are explicit ones, there are some uh, implicit ones. And, but the idea today is that all of these promises bring hope to us. Okay? So, We're going to focus on one of them, one of the prophecies, and it's in Isaiah chapter 9, verses 6 and 7. And it says the following. Just one more thing. This prophecy was written over 700 years before Jesus was born. Okay? Isaiah chapter 9, verses 6 and 7 uh, says the following. For to us a child is born. To us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. Verse 7 says, Of the increase of his government and of peace there will be no end. 
So let's walk quickly through some of these things. The first thing that, that we are told is that there's going to be a child. And this is maybe for some of us who are used to the nativity story, it's not, it's not uh, surprising. But if you read chapter 9 of Isaiah, the whole promise is of a, a warrior, someone that is going to come and bring deliverance, bring light, and bring joy to the people of God. And then, in, in, in these verses, God is telling the people how he's going to do it. And he doesn't say this mighty king will come, or this mighty warrior will come, or this handsome, strong guy in a horse will come. No. He says a child is going to come. So there is an importance on the fact that God decided to come as a child, as a baby, as a son. And that shows us the humbleness or the humility of God Entering the world, not in a flashy, powerful way, but in a humble, unusual way. And then he comes to describe, Isaiah describes, how this child, Messiah, Savior, is going uh, to look like, or what are some of his characteristics. The first thing that we are told is that he will rule. The government would be upon his shoulders. That means he was going to be a king. He was going to be a ruler. He was going to be in charge. And the four characteristics that we are told about this kid are the following. And they are impressive. The first one is he's going to be a wonderful counselor. And this refers to not a counselor like the ones we see today, someone who will just listen to you and give you advice, but it's more someone who is wise. And not just any kind of wisdom, it's a wonderful wisdom. It's a, a wisdom that is beyond what we imagine. And the description of Isaiah, by, by him saying he will be a wonderful counselor, it's referring to a, a person, a king, who knows what he's doing in a way that is wonderful, that is impressive. And sometimes we believe of God that God has the knowledge. Do you believe that God knows it all? We as Christians say that God is omniscient. Kids, do you know what omniscient means? It means that God knows everything. In fact, omniscient means that God never learns. There is nothing that one day will be like, God will never say, ah, I didn't know. No. The Bible says that God knows everything, but that doesn't mean that he's wise. Do you know someone who is very smart, knows a lot, but is not wise? It's not the same thing. So this is not referring to knowledge. This is referring to a God who knows how to act in a wonderful way. And this should bring us hope. He knows how to apply wisdom in every situation. And he knows better than us. He not only has more information, he has the best possible way to act with the information he has in our, on our behalf. And what I want to tell you is we should hope. We should place our hope in a God who knows more than us and not only knows more information but knows 
the best way to achieve, the best way to act, the best way to carry your life around. God is working around us in ways that we can never even imagine, not just in an informational way. He knows exactly what you need and the people around you and what should come out of the situation you're living right now. He has a purpose. He's wise and he's a wonderful counselor. He is doing something in you and with you that is better than what you can even think. Even in the difficult times, even in the times of suffering, we have a wonderful counselor who loves us. And then he says he is mighty God. And this is crazy because this is referring to a child that was going to be born. And Isaiah calls this, calls this child Mighty God, a title that the Hebrews only used for Yahweh. This Messiah that was going to be sent to us was not only wise and a king and amazing, he was God himself. And we have one of the most obvious reference to the, to the deity of Jesus 700 years before he was born. This takes the power of this Messiah out of the human realm and puts it in a supernatural, all-powerful realm. God himself, the powerful God, is with us. He's coming to save us. And this should bring us hope. And it should bring us hope not only because God is coming as God, but God also became a human through a baby, he became 100% human. And the fact is that Hebrews tells us that this God is not like the other gods that are somewhere outside of this world and, and sees us from afar and does not even understand what our suffering is. No, this is a God who knows exactly how it feels to be in your shoes. He was betrayed. He was lied to. He was murdered. He was everything. And he knows how it feels. And he loves us, he understands us, and he's powerful. He's 100% God, 100% human, and he came to save us. And that should bring us hope. The third thing is that this is, he's an everlasting father. That he will be with us forever. He will be your dad forever. Imagine this. I don't know if this is your case. Maybe it's not your case, but in my case... I grew up in a family where we all looked up to my dad. He's the guy who knew how to fix the stuff. He's the one who had the money. He's the one who told us or gave us all the advice. And in fact, when I got married, I was so excited because I was finally going to be out of my dad's jurisdiction. What I didn't realize is that I was going to go back to my dad even more as an adult than I probably went when I was little. Because he, I realized how much he knew that I didn't know. And I'm 43 years old, I have four kids, and until this day, I still call my dad. And I'm like, hey, dad, um, how did you, uh, when, when me and my sister were this age, did you ever, has that ever happened to you? Yeah. Well, I find that this is happening more to me. Maybe you're an exception. Um, <laughs> but this is the thing. One day, my dad is not going to be here. He's going to die because he's a human. 
And I've heard other people say, man, I wish my old man was here with me. He would know how to do this. He would give me the great advice. And maybe that is your case. But guess what? We have a father that will always be there. An everlasting father should give us so much hope because that person that can guide you and help you and give you peace and provide for you is always there. He is the everlasting father. He is the eternal father. He will never die. And he knows how to do everything. He's good at math. He's good at all kinds of things. And he's with us all the time. And he keeps his promises. He is not like us as fathers. We fail to our words. And one of the things that my kids always tell me, they're always like, Dad, you said... And then I will have to say, yes, that's true. I'm sorry. I forgot. But guess what? God doesn't say that. He keeps his promises. Even if it's 700 years later, he fulfills his promises. And then the last one, I want to I wanna finish with this one. He will be a prince of peace. This is basically someone who provides peace for us. This characteristic means that this Savior, this Messiah, this King, this Prince will provide peace to us. And this is important because the word peace for us in our language, and this is the case in Spanish too, is very simplistic. We say peace and we basically just mean tranquility or being calm or not being anxious. But if you've read a little bit about this word, the word in Hebrew is shalom. And that's how the Jews uh, salute each other, right? They say shalom. And this is, this is really amazing because shalom doesn't only mean peace as you and I think of peace. Shalom is a well-rounded, complete word that includes all kinds of different things. Shalom doesn't mean lack of worries. It actually means a peace that includes well-being, safety, health, Friends, prosperity, deliverance, salvation, completeness. This is a word that encompasses every area of human life. It's not excluding, it's not only referencing to, uh, referring to, sorry, no solamente es en referencia a, how do you say that? It's not only in reference to, thank you, awesome. It's not only in reference to spiritual stuff, it's also about, our human experience. It's about mental health. It's about physical health. It's about everything. And this is important because when God, our, our, our Savior, promised that a, a Messiah, a Savior was going to come, this Prince of Peace wasn't only going to bring salvation. Yes, that's the culmination of everything. If you talk about us spending eternity with God. But he also came to provide. He also came to free. He also came to heal. He also came to give us everything we need. This is important for us because God care for, cares for the whole of you. God cares for you as a human God is the one who created your body. God is the one who created this world. He wanted us to be okay. And through Jesus, he accomplishes that too. Not exactly perfect yet, but it will one time. And this Prince of Peace will provide well-being. 
in everything we need. Not in everything we want, but in everything we need. Even if we go through ups and downs, and even if we go through pains and lacks, God will always be there to provide. And in the end, he will keep his promise. And one day, you and I, if we recognize Jesus as our Lord and Savior, will be in a perfect place where there will never be pain, where there will never be lacking, where we will be in his presence. And this should bring us hope because we have a God that keeps his promises, a powerful God who loves us. He is with us. He is for us. And this season of Advent should invite us to put our hope in him alone. Nothing else is powerful, wise, and loving, and nothing else brings us shalom as only God does. Kids, are you listening to me? Kids, let me tell you something. Your toys, your dad and your mom, your money, your house, your education, anything else, other people will never give you peace and joy. And guess what? You are not different from us. Adults also think that toys will bring us peace. Just like you are exciting for Christmas and you're going to get that toy, you think this is it, after this I'm happy. It's not true. And adults, it's the same. Nothing will bring us peace. Even if you pay off that, debit, that car that you have or that debt you have, even if you finally resolve that problem, that's not, that's not it. There's more coming. Nothing will give us peace the way God gives us peace because he is the only one who can provide perfect peace for all of us. Perfect shalom for all of us, even in the midst of difficulties. But the best part of all these promises, and the part that should bring us even more hope than anything, is that everything that I just said, God gives it to anyone who believes in him without conditions. The message of our God, the message of our Bible, the message of our faith, is not that God is good to those who are good. If that's what you think that Christianity is, let me just tell you, from a biblical standpoint, it is wrong. You do not have to be a good person to be a Christian. In fact, the condition for you to be a Christian is that you have to recognize how bad you are. And this is what we recognize here. We need a Savior. I cannot do this on my own. Humanity continues to try to save themselves, continues to try to overcome their sin, and they cannot. We cannot. And Christianity is a faith that says, I give up, take over. I need you. And that is the Messiah that God has promised for us. The one who comes and acts on our behalf. These promises are not for good people, are for sinful people like you and I. And that's why God came as a child. Because he doesn't do things the way everyone else does it. He uses the weak. He uses the less travel road to save us and that is through a child who came and lived the perfect life for us who are not perfect and that is our message that is the gospel that is the evangel that's what that's the word in, in greek evangel that means good news the good news is that you and i do not deserve to be saved you and i do not deserve shalom you and i do not deserve a father that's everlasting you and i deserve eternal separation from god but we have a god who's good and wants to give it to us because he wants to 
And because he wants to take all the glory, and that's the best thing that could happen. This is the gospel. This is our message. And this is the best part of Christmas and of Advent and of the whole year. Is that this is available to all of us anytime, any day. All we have to do is tap out and say, I'm done. I'm sorry I've been trying on my own. I need you, Jesus. Come in. Help me. That is the message of the gospel. And this is available for the believer. Even if you've been in church your entire life, we need to remember this every single Sunday. It's not about what we do. It's not about reading your Bible. It's not about behaving well. It's not about being a heart worker. It's not about your family or your character. It's about Jesus. It's about who he is, what he gives us, his deity, his power, his peace. It's about him. And if you're not a believer, I want to invite you to consider this and say, Lord, I need you. If you're done trying, if you recognize that you can't, there's a a Savior whose arms are wide open for you to come anytime. No matter what you've said or what you've done before, his arms are open wide to you. And this is the message. So I want to invite you to consider that. If you want to learn more about the gospel or about Jesus, I would be more than happy to talk to you about it and help you um, become a Christian. Typically, we have communion, and this is a way that we respond to taking uh, or receiving the word of God. And we celebrate communion because we believe that by eating the bread and drinking the cup, we remember that God died for us on the cross. We're not going to do that today, but I want to encourage you to leave knowing that Jesus loves you. God sent his son to die for all of us. And this Messiah that comes to bring us hope, is available to all of us. Let's pray. Dear God, we thank you for today. We thank you for this uh, season of Advent. I pray that as our hearts are getting ready, we want to anticipate and reflect on the fact that you, are, you came as a baby. And we are heading towards that season to remember that you are the greatest gift you could ever give us. And Lord, I pray that today we will place our hope in you. Lord, I pray that today we would cease to put our hope in things or people or achievements or anything else. And that we would focus on the Prince, Prince of Peace, the wonderful Counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting Father. And I pray that today your gospel will become a reality to all of us. Lord, I pray for every child here. I pray that you would, even as, as they pay attention or not, I pray that the seed of your gospel would be placed in their hearts and that it will grow until they consciously and willfully give their lives to you. In the name of Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen.